Hi, my name is Marie White, and I'd like to welcome you to the White Bikini. Joining me today is my co-host, Nicholas Banton. How are you, Nicholas? Good morning, Marie. How are you? I am doing great. Let's get the show on the road. Today is Tuesday, March 28th, 2023. And before we start, I do feel the responsibility to acknowledge two things. First, it is again a mass shooting in the United States. I want to say prayers for Nashville, but we keep saying prayers, but prayers are the civil thing to do. It's terrible. It's unusual that it was a woman who was a mass shooter. And I think we can just leave that there. I'm not going to say anything because I think I will hijack this entire conversation. I think you and I have spoken on this topic online, offline, and there's nothing more I can add other than what you just said. So let's move on to the second acknowledgement. The water contamination in Philadelphia. It's bothering me. It's okay that there's a spill, but this, uh, we're going to wait every 24 hours and keep testing. And I do respect that because there is probably water. And then once it's used up, the next round of water is going to come in and they are testing it. But who are they to tell us not to get bottled water? It's not their right. It's not their right to do that. They can advise and say, hey, the water's safe. You don't need bottled water. But ultimately, the, the decision is yours. Didn't anyone anyone watch Aaron Brockovich? Hello? I don't think so. Aaron Brockovich was what, over 20 years ago? Whatever. That make me sound old. But you know who has enough water? Woo-woo. They should call you the Marie White Water Company. <laughs> or otherwise known as Cassandra. You did call it. <laughs> I didn't call the right situation. I did call a run on water and I was right. Today, we're going to discuss John Fetterman. We did go over all of his history, who he is, how he got where he went, his family, kids, parents, his wealth. But what is going on with John Fetterman? He's well, been hosp- he's been hospitalized now for five weeks. What we understand is that he is experiencing negative psychological effects as a consequence of the stroke he endured during his campaign. That is the extent of my knowledge of what's going on with him health-wise. And from someone who does struggle with what I consider a rather serious mental health issue, I feel that I can say there maybe comes a point that this isn't the right job for you. Yeah. And I think that's, sorry, sorry, I was going to say, this is, I think where we're going to go with this conversation. Yeah. I look, I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to be an airplane pilot. I know who I am and I somewhat stay in my lane of what I can handle, but I'm very concerned that he is a Senator in a very big state. I have not heard him talk out, speak out on anything along with the dumbass mayor of Philadelphia. No one in charge is talking about the water situation along with the shootings. That's a whole other podcast. Where is everyone that's in charge? And it's pissing me off that it's two white men who I think are just lazy. There we go. I said it. These men want to win re-election and you don't poke the hornet's nest if you want to win re-election. Why am I having a difficult time saying win? Win re-election. And I think that's what's going on. You're still on Jamaica time. Yeah, I'm on. And I think- Oh, I like that. Can you say that again? Um, I think that's part of what we are experiencing. We're experiencing politicians who have been so beaten by their constituency to say to, as you say, stay in their lane that they don't do the hard things. They don't make difficult decisions. They don't 
seek out new challenges, they do what they need to do in order to get reelected. And let's be honest, what would be happening if he was a black senator or a female senator? Oh yeah, well, if she was, if, if she was, if John Fredman were a woman, John Fredman would be on a gurney strapped, being hauled out of the Capitol. And I'm only slightly exaggerating. Well, and also in a very local issue, the mayor of Upper Darby Township got pulled over for drunk driving. Yes. She's, she's in her mid to late fifties. And, and in my world, you shouldn't be drunk driving at any time, but any time you should not be drunk driving is when you're a grown ass adult. Stop it. I think what happens is that these people become very, very comfortable. And when you let your guard down, you make unforced errors. It's, it's a mantra of mine. It's bothering me also that he has health insurance that we're probably paying for. We're definitely paying for. That allows him, hey, you know what? I We don't like help for five weeks. So we're paying for him to have better care than we're getting. But that's not a John Fetterman problem. That's largely a Republican problem. Any any discussion. You know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. I'm not taking away the I'm not taking away the juice from your claim. But what I'm saying, though, we could have the same kind of insurance that they have. But we elect people. And when I say we, I mean, collectively, the United States, we elect people that tell us we don't deserve that kind of insurance. But I understand the point you're making. The point that you're making is that he needs serious medical attention and he has the luxury of stepping away from his job for five weeks getting the best health coverage in the world. And there are no consequences. It's not like he's going to lose his house or lose his car or his kids might not be able to go on vacation this summer or any number of things that us mere mortals have to deal with. Fetterman's public acknowledgement in mid-February that he was suffering from depression and decision to seek treatment were heralded by many of his colleagues as a courageous disclosure about an often stigmatized topic. Though after questions about his long-term health after a stroke in May and a five-week stay in the hospital is considered long for inpatient depression. But his team is saying they aren't rushing his return and they expect him to be able to return to the key requirements of his new job. I ran into someone at Whole Foods last night, and you know which Whole Foods I go to, someone who will remain nameless that you and I both know. And we were taught, I told her about our podcast, talking briefly about John Fetterman. And when I said, I really think he needs to resign, her response was, who would replace him? And I was like- That is a legitimate concern. It it shouldn't be. Let's get our shit together, people. No, no, I, I don't think it's that simple. I think you asked the question during, as you alluded to a previous podcast, and the way it works in Pennsylvania is that the governor has the, or the secretary of state has to orchestrate a special election. So it's not, it's not, there's some states, especially in the South, where you get appointed by the governor. But in Pennsylvania, if the sitting senator is unable to carry out his or her duties, then the governor, the through the uh, Department of State of Pennsylvania, has to hold a special election. I.e., he could lose. The, the Democrats could lose, uh, or not. They won't lose the Senate. But having that extra vote means that they don't have to play nice with the Republicans. They can appoint the judges they want to appoint, and the Republicans can slow them down the way they did earlier in Biden's term. Does that make sense? Or, or you disagree still? I. I 
I don't want to put words in your mouth. I don't agree or disagree. I just think that a state like Pennsylvania deserves a senator that is present. And I don't know that having a senator, and he's a young guy. I do feel bad for him. He's only 53 that had a stroke, that has mental health issues. My first question is, was I have less issues with this is if this was a side effect of the stroke, but that's not my impression. Oh, go on. I was under the impression that this was a consequence of the stroke. Was it or are they saying it was? I don't I'm not I'm not being misconspiracy because I'm certainly not. But I'd like to know the difference. I we're not being told anything. No, my understanding is that this is a consequence and it's actually quite common with stroke patients to experience a profound sense of sadness, dysthymia, depression. Eh, We'll see. Time will tell. Okay. I don't think he was a picture of mental health previous to this? No, no. And it, it's it's not like you're necessarily one day going, you know, going along, you know, skipping and laughing and everything's fine. You have a stroke and then, you know, you turn you turn into Debbie Downer. I don't think it's necessarily as simple as that. I think it can be you've struggled with a problem for most of your life. And think about it this way. You're someone who has a penchant for addictions, whether it's drugs or alcohol, but you are functioning in society. You're holding down a job. You're taking care of your bills. You're being a responsible member of society and a responsible member in your family. And then something happens. You lose a parent, you lose your job, you lose a partner. And that can just be the catalyst for a downward spiral into something that was already there. And I I suspect as much is going on with John Fetterman that, yes, likely you're right. I think your impression of him as being someone who has that sort of dour down disposition. I think that's a fair assumption about him, but I think the stroke could be could have been the catalyst that sent him on a barrel deeper than perhaps he's ever been before in his life. So it's because, one of those things yeah. where both things are true at the same time. The Pennsylvania Democrat who suffered a stroke last May ahead of winning the Senate nomination has experienced depression throughout his life. I agree. And that's kind of what I just said. Yeah, agreed, I think but the stroke I exacerbated it. Agreed. I'm someone that has mental health problems. Were we so desperate for a candidate that that's what we ended up with? This state is in trouble. I am empathetic to every human being, but maybe being the face of Pennsylvania is not good for him. And they knew this going in. There was so many red flags. I disagree. I disagree because he he was in a Democratic primary. It's not like he it's not like the king chose him and appointed him senator of Pennsylvania. There was a Democratic primary. And you're misunderstanding me. I'm going to interrupt you. Okay, go go ahead. Go ahead. I I want to be. I want you to clarify. John Fetterman had a personal responsibility to know his limitations and that maybe he couldn't do it and step back prior to this tidal wave that we're now under. I'm angry with him personally. I think he hit a lot. I think he hit a lot from the public. I think it was just putting out the first candidate they could get. I don't think everyone would have voted for him knowing he has what I'm going to say if you're institutionalized or hospitalized for five weeks is a serious mental health problem. Maybe maybe go back to being a lawyer or doing something in a smaller arena. I completely disagree. We are one of the biggest states of this. I totally disagree with you. I I totally understand your frustration. I I get it, but I completely disagree. First of all, John Fetterman post-stroke... I don't believe is the same John Fetterman 
pre-stroke. Oh, I do. Okay. And I think perhaps that's the heart of our disagreement. From what I have read about what a stroke can do to you is that it basically takes a sledgehammer to your neurons. And what he's experiencing is perhaps one of the most, I mean, let's face it. You and I both struggle with mental health problems throughout our lives. The issue at hand is whether or not he is in a position to work through this. Because if we're going to say that people with mental health problems, severe mental health problems, people who have undergone intense therapy should not be in important positions, then we're going to have a lot of chief surgeons, police officers, teachers, executives in our society that are out of the job force. Here's the problem I'm having. And you know, I'm the biggest, I'm the most empathetic person. He just, I'd have less problem if he at least started the position for maybe a year. We can't He's choose never, what your brain is doing. I mean, like, I know, but you, I think you're- mm, Am I being I'm, too soft? I don't think you're being too soft, but we're just gonna agree to disagree because I think he knew going, I think- I think for, he knew going in that he had a history of mental health struggles. I think Agreed. that's fair. But and I I think he had well, a responsibility and I understand the st- a stroke you could not plan that I'm empathetic yes. too. And that's for me that is that is the pivot point. That is the crux of our disagreement as I see it, that he is dealing with a stroke after winning the primary, after winning the Democratic nomination. And now he has the weight and responsibility of millions and millions of people in the state to be the Democratic senator from the state of Pennsylvania. And he, I think, rightly or wrongly, fears that if he steps down, if he gives up the seat, there is a very good chance that the next senator to replace him will be a Republican. And let's not let's not kid ourselves. It's not like I hear the saying, they're all the same. They're no, they're not the same. You know, one one group of people in this country believe that women should have no autonomy over their bodies. They believe that you should be able to draw gerrymandered maps to eliminate entire neighborhoods of black and brown people. They believe that any Christian, not just religious, but specifically Christian religious belief system or believers should be able to dictate how they treat the public based on their faith, irrespective of any secular laws that are in place. They believe, I mean, wacky stuff like what's going on in, I think, Tennessee, where they're trying to lower the age of consent so that 13, 12, 13 year old girls can now legally get married. I mean, he is a firewall and I'm I'm guessing I'm overstating this a little bit. He's a firewall between us and really, really crazy people. John Fetterman is sick. I'm not going to deny that. But if if it's, if the difference between complete craziness and a broken senator that ideally should be at home resting, I'm going to take the broken senator. Okay, that's what I wanted you to admit. And now you've yes. admitted it and I respect it. You'd rather oh, just yeah. have a... Okay, that's fine. I'd rather, I'd rather deal with a broken senator than the madness. But because what's going to happen in 2024 is not looking good. We're looking for, if especially if Biden or or whomever the Democratic nominee for president is in 2024, this the, the map, the congressional map, the senatorial map is looking really ugly for the Democrats in 2024. So we could be looking at a a government, executive, legislative, and let's face it, the, the, the judiciary, the Supreme Court is controlled by Republicans. A complete conservative control of government. And look what they're doing already uh, now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. This is just the start. Look what's going on in Florida. We're Can talking, I be honest? We're talking I, about a fascist regime. I care what's happening around the corner from me now. People are getting shot every friggin' day now. I understand the whole esoteric thing that you're getting into. Um, it's, not I'm, well, it's not esoteric. It's not esoteric. 
it, it is woman, somewhat. If you're a woman in Idaho or Montana, it is not esoteric. I understand it's not happening here. No, no, no. Why, it's not why, that why, it's not happening here. We have very immediate concerns about safety. He was an African-American man that was going through this. He would be torn to shreds. I am agreeing with you, Marie. I am absolutely agreeing with you. I think there is definitely a double standard. Not to change the topic, but look at the NFL. Look how many incompetent white coaches there have been throughout the history of the NFL. Dozens, dozens of incompetent white men in leadership roles in the NFL, not only on the field as head coaches, but in the executive suite. Completely incompetent. I don't care about NFL. I have my, my, point, my point is to agree with you by making the analogy that you're right. If it was a black man, there would be a higher level of scrutiny because we hold you know, certain groups of people to a higher standard than other groups. So in, in effect, I'm agreeing with you. But the point is, yes, everything you're saying is true, but the devil is in the details. Okay, I'll respect that. We're going to move on. Okay. Dumbass. Since he went into the hospital, Hospital, Fetterman staff has been making frequent visits most mornings to give him updates from Capitol Hill. He has also co-sponsored legislation while hospitalized. He has not voted since February 15th, though there have been few major le- legislative decisions to come before the Senate where Democrats hold a narrow majority. I think the other thing that really aggravated me is when his wife, Giselle Fetterman, left the state because she felt that the press was bothering her and she wanted to go to Canada. That is a bad look. That Those are bad optics. I agree with you. I think when you sign up for this job, it reminds me of the Harry and Meghan situation. They're constantly screaming for privacy in public. And I think when you take a public official's job, you take on a public official's scrutiny. However, however, and the other side to the to, to the oh argument God. is there are children. In, ch- no, no, there are children involved. And I think they want to give their, their children the best and healthiest environment to grow in. If I had children, it's something I would consider. If the press is parked outside the, the house, in my house, every day, scrutinizing everything I go through, going through my trash, potentially bugging my car, as in the case uh, that Harry and Meghan have accused the, the, the tabloid press of doing in, in England. If that kind of thing was happening here, if I had to move to Canada to protect my kids, I would absolutely do it. But, 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 and it's a large but, big but, you might say, real big but. Um, you would know. Damn right. Uh, the They should have known this going. These are not neophytes. They're not children. They're not children. I think they want their cake. They want to have their cake and eat it too. And public service is an ugly job, especially in a prominent role as a U.S. senator. So you see there, I agreed with you, but also presented an alternative perspective. So what's the answer? We're just going to keep going along. Pray to God he gets better. How, when is the time that he's not getting better and what are we doing about it? What's the backup plan? The backup plan, I suspect, is when a responsible medical professional steps in, intervenes in the situation and tells John Federman, hey, you need to just go home and convalesce and give up on the Senate thing. And then what? And then we are in the fight of our lives. We are in a situation where it's likely whoever runs on the Republican ticket will win and edge the Republicans closer to complete control of the legislative branch. And then we're kind of, you know, you know, uffed up, as one might say. So just so we're understanding your opinion is, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, and I honestly, I don't. You'd rather keep him in there, not doing any work, depressed, having a lot of physical ailments that I think they're hiding. And as long as we keep that seat open, you're comfortable 
comfortable with that until the next election. No, because I don't think that's what's happening. I think that's a mischaracterization of what actually happens in the Senate. Senators don't really do the work. Their staff do the work. Things are still getting done in the Senate in John Fetterman's office. He is basically there to sign on the dotted line. That's why you have a chief of staff. That's why you have executive leaders in your office. So your characterization is not what really happens in the Senate. It's not really what happens in executive suites all over the country. It's not what happens in the mayor's office. Yes, I mean, it's important to have a competent and healthy leader in a prominent position. But I think your characterization is not really, it's not indicative of what what happens because the staff, they're the ones doing the work. You're still not answering my question though. When are you ready to say that this has gone on too long? I told you, it's when... I feel that when a, and this might be a private matter, this might be a private matter where a chief medical doctor in a hospital where he's staying tells him, hey, John, you are not medically competent to be in this role. I'm willing to trust the opinions of medical experts in this in this instance if he fails to step down. But for right now, I just, this is an existential fight and we need all hands on deck. Okay, so we see it very different and that's yes. fine. That's fine. Yeah. To me, this is an existential fight. This is about making sure that what's happening in Florida, what's happening in Idaho, what's happening in Louisiana doesn't happen in Pennsylvania, because I think we've lost the country. You know, if you believe in progressive or liberal ideals, we have lost the country. Don't want to repeat myself. But in 2016, everyone I knew, I told them it's not about Hillary Clinton. It's about the Supreme Court. And I was right. It doesn't matter what happens necessarily in the legislative branch, because all you need to do is have a state's attorney in one of these red states file a case that they know will wind its way up to the Supreme Court. And the Republican Supreme Court will choose that case in order to dismantle some sort of progressive law. That's what's happening. And so you're making very, very difficult decisions. It do you, It's like doing Blitzkrieg. You risk London being bombed in order to save England. And that's kind of the way I see it right now. This fight is existential. It's about the future of this country. It's about the next hundred years because let's go back in history. Plessy v. Ferguson essentially brought about a hundred years of legalized segregation that moved the country backward. If the Republicans get complete control of all branches of government, then we are now in a position where we could put this country backwards for over a hundred years or more. This is the existential crisis that I think we face. And this is why I'll take half a John Fetterman over no John Fetterman. Okay. And I, and I don't agree with it, but I respect your opinion. So what's next? What's next is we're going to limper away uh, through another election cycle and hopefully he doesn't get a stroke and die or something this time. That's kind of the best we, well, it's not the best we can hope for. The best we can hope for is that, oh is that he recovers. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm being a little bit harsh. The best we can hope for is that John Fredman recovers and he gets back to, he, he regains full competency and he regains a, a some semblance of emotional well-being. Because you're right, Pennsylvania is a very important state. Pennsylvania Pennsylvania is one of those firewall states between what we have and what we value in terms of certain progressive values and South Carolina. And I'm curious what Josh Shapiro's take is on all of this. Everyone's very quiet. I am very big on Josh Shapiro. And love I him, yes, love him, love I, him, love him. I think, and, and I'm willing to make the call right now that if not in 2024, 
perhaps in 2028, we might see Josh Shapiro being the first Jewish American president. I am so excited about him. I like everything about him. I like his mannerisms, his vibe. He's just that perfect type of politician that I kind of gravitate towards. Yes, I think he's got he's got enough of what Obama has to Wawa crowd. I mean, certainly not on Obama level. You're not going to see, you know, the entire city of Berlin show up to cheer on Josh Shapiro the way they did for Barack Obama during his presidency, you know, and happened all over the world. But he has it. He has the it factor. He's young, he's energetic, he's smart, he's charismatic. He's a very smart administrator. So I think that's the future. I think the future of Pennsylvania is unfortunately not necessarily John Fetterman, especially if he's unable to recover from this from this illness. The future of Pennsylvania, I guess to answer your question in a roundabout way, is Josh Shapiro. The future of America might be Josh Shapiro. Yeah, I just like I follow him on social media. I like the things he says. I'm not saying he's perfect, but he has what it takes to make me comfortable as a constituent of the state. Yes, and I think he will do the same for a lot of people. Listen, he's going to face the same headwinds that Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama faced. He's He's a Democrat and he happens to be Jewish. So all those people that have sort of misogynistic or not misogynistic, but uh, jingoistic or chauvinistic sort of religious bigotry values, Josh Shapiro is not their man. But if I were Josh Shapiro, I would speak to whoever ran Obama's campaign and start getting advice on how to position yourself to become president in it, whether it's four years or eight years, because I, I think he has what it takes to do it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I apologize. No, 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 I, no I apologize. I talked over you because I'm getting gossipy now. I 100% agree with your assessment. I think, what is he, about 46, 48? So he's a little young, but I I definitely see there's a great future with him as long as I don't, I get a vibe from him that he kind of like Barack, he's very strong internally. Yes, I think, well, he's a, he's a profoundly religious person, as I understand it. You know, I am not a religious person, but I do understand for those people who have that particular inclination, if it's a sincere belief and a, and a disciplined practice, your faith can be an important foundation in your life. And I do get that because I think he is observant. He's an observant Jew. So I think he follows the, the laws in terms of of the Sabbath. He seems like a, a decent, good family man. And this this is going to sound strange, but between Barack Obama and Josh Shapiro, they were two people that I could sense were loved as children. Yes, I, I do think they both come from, they both emerge from healthy environments. They were raised, I suspect, about raising kids. I don't have that experience directly. It's, it's a balance between love, empathy, and compassion with also discipline and boundaries. It's about striking that healthy balance. And and I get that they both have that because that's where they came from. Yeah. And I can always sense people that have that peaceful core. I am not one of them. In my next life, I will be. But they just have that peace that they're at peace with the world, that they can handle things. And that's, I think, what I, I guess I find Josh Shapiro, like Barack Obama, very calming. And it's not easy to calm me. Agreed. Agreed. And I think hopefully the state of Pennsylvania is in good hands. I, well, I'm actually confident, not hopeful. I, I'm confident that, you know, as the chief executive of the state, the state of Pennsylvania is in good hands. I think whatever whatever progressive legislation laws that we have on the books, Josh Shapiro will protect them. I think he'll make sure that crazy things don't happen in the state because we were, and I go back to this point, we were at an existential crisis during the previous election with what the Republicans were putting out there. Josh Shapiro allows me to sleep better at night. And I'm not exaggerating. I really do care about what happens 
to in the state and to the people in the state. I do value that. It's not simply a selfish, what is Josh Shapiro going to do for me type of perspective. I, I do care about this. And I think you do too. And I think this is why we're having a conversation and why you're so passionate about it. Yeah. And honestly, probably Josh Shapiro is jumping in a lot on Fetterman's behalf. Someone has to. A point you made was that we do need adults in the room. And in, in this instance, as a representative of the state, I think Shapiro has stepped up his profile and it might benefit him. It might benefit him to appear on the national stage representing the state in the capacity in which he's illegally allowed to do in place of John Fetterman. This is totally shifting gears. But since you brought up Barack Obama, did you see the photo of him and Michelle in Australia? No. Oh, unfortunately, when I was away, I was a bit on a bit of a news diet. No, it so. just happened yesterday. No, unfortunately, I haven't seen it now. Just look it up. It's, something's going on. I don't know what it is. Something good or something bad? I mean, it's on the national news that Michelle is outright scowling in the photograph. She looks very undone. And I don't mean that disparagingly. And Barack, of course, looks like his smooth self. But it was very well, awkward. Maybe that's, that was the problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we've, always, we've always talked about it. Barack Obama <laughs> is... <laughs> He's got that Bill Clinton charm where, you know, supposedly Bill Clinton was the kind of guy that would walk into a room, lock eyes on someone and make them feel whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're straight or gay, make them feel like they are the only person in the room. So I can understand, hey, you know, if he gave if he gave someone the wrong person, the uh, the Bill Clinton stare, I can see Michelle not being approving of that. Yeah, I was just really startled by the picture. He looks great. He's in his khakis. And you know what? He's annoyingly maturing into a handsome older man. I agree. He's got it, he's got it all going on. He's tall. He's fit. And lastly, on the, on the subject, let's not forget that we also have Bob Casey as her other senator from Pennsylvania. Bob Casey is a good man. Bob Casey is a strong leader. Yes, he's perhaps not as charismatic as a Shapiro, excuse me. Yes, as a Shapiro or Obama. But we do have another senator from the state of Pennsylvania that can take on some of the public relations roles that are necessary in order to lead the state. It is serious. I don't think it's catastrophic. I don't know. I guess maybe I'm a little... I- no, you have every right to feel the way you do because you're you're expressing your feelings from your perspective. I am expressing my feelings from my perspective. And I think we both articulated why we feel the way we do. Well, Nick, we know that Easter's coming. It's around the corner, Easter, spring, whatever you celebrate. Things are look. there's a lot of darkness, but right now the days are getting longer. It's going to be warmer, which leads me to our sponsor. Nick, you need a spring haircut. I agree, especially, you know, being in Jamaica for a week. My God, I look like one of those Rastafarians. <laughs> our sponsor today is my niece Ashley's shop on Market Street. It is Westchester's premier barber shop, providing the freshest cuts, but more importantly, Nicholas, the biggest smiles. Oh, of course. One, three, four. East Market Street, Westchester, Pennsylvania. Please follow them on Instagram. You can book your appointments with Ashley or her other associates on Instagram. And Nick, we keep talking about this. You've kind of gone back and forth. Did you book your appointment? Of course, Marie. Of course. I need to look fabulous for the Easter Bunny. I can't look like a ragamuffin. (laughs) The Easter Bunny's not going to show up at your house this year. And why do you say that? Because you need a haircut from the shop on Market Street. And if you do get that, that means the Easter Bunny's going to come to your house. Yay! Yay! Thank you for joining us today on The White Bikini. Please follow us on Instagram and please subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcasts, whether it be Apple or Spotify. Thank you very much. Peace out.
Push it, try it. 